pretending to get right back up to the hour and 20 minute normal running time this week. Welcome back to Hand of Pod. apologise for last week's unusually short episode. We've had a couple of hundred more listeners than we normally get. We're going to put that down to sheer blind luck and nothing to do with the fact that people would rather listen to something that's only 45 minutes. So we'll be rambling as normal this week, no doubt. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined uh, in my living room this week by Andres Bruckner. Hi. Uh, you meant this one will be much longer? You didn't... Uh... Oh, I do hope so. I'm, I'm joking, of course. Um, we'll see how it actually ends up. Uh, it's just Andres and I this week. It's just Andres and no, it's just Andres and me this week. Sorry, um, that's the grammatically correct version of that sentence. Um, when we've got a foreigner here, we have to make sure that we talk properly, otherwise we won't learn anything, will you? <laughs> uh, we've had um, an interesting uh, weekend of football that we're going to to get started with right away. I think the thing that stood out to me most of all, and that stood out to both of us actually whilst we've been uh, discussing in, in, in this uh, just before we started recording was that so far this season we've seen very, very few away wins a lot of home wins compared with the Donnell final and yet this weekend just gone OK, we've only had two away wins uh, San Lorenzo against Colón and Newell's against Racing both of which we'll get onto a little later but we've also only had three home wins there have been a lot of draws five, five draws of the ten matches in the weekend just gone um, and not very many goals either. What did you make of it, Andres? Yes, we have been talking about the, that there have been only 14 uh, away wins out of 80. Uh, yeah, for 14 away wins so far this season. Yeah, in, across eight. And, and last weekend, the, the seventh round, as we mentioned at the time, yeah. uh, Dan and I mentioned last week, there wasn't a single one. Yeah, that's the, the uh, what brings the unusual, as always, uh, uh, Torneo, in this case, Torneo Inicial 2013, um, and yes, reflects something which is uh, that every week we will, we will talk about is the the not uh, regular uh, uh, performance of, of uh, the, the most uh, teams of the Primera División, and uh, well, uh, yes, uh, it shows what we have been talking about. It's very very. Perhaps strong teams uh, playing uh, home, uh, home yeah. and, and the weak ones having to visit the, 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 the stronger and uh, teams, and uh, which uh, uh, brings the results we, we talked uh, about. I've, I've just brought up the table of the away standings so far, and after eight matches, of course, the, the away and home standings are fairly easy to compare because everybody's played four home games and four away games at this stage of the season. Um, and it's quite instructive that. Looking at that, it, it compared with the home, where Racing are the only side who've yet to win at home this season. Um, we've got sides from Olimpo down in twentieth of the home standings, not the overall standings, up to River in thirteenth. None of those sides have, have won an away match, and then Belgrano in tenth, through to Estudiantes in eighth. So that's three more. Um, 
So in total, that's what bottom two, thirteen, fourteen. Basically, the, the half of the teams in the league haven't won any away matches at all, um, and only three teams in the league have won more than once away from home. Those are Arsenal, De Sarandi, who've got two wins and two draws from their four home matches, and both Newells and San Lorenzo have got three wins um, and one defeat from their home games, which means that. Three teams have accounted for six, eight of the 14 matches. That's more than half of the away wins that, that, that they've been. Do you think this is, this is at all to do with, with the lack of, of away fans in, in the stadium? Because, of course, we still don't have, have any there, or, or what? <laughs> well, uh, some, uh, sometimes, ironically, uh, or for example, the Boca supporters are called the, themselves the number 12 player mm. and, and sometimes could be a difference and, and uh, Agustin Orion uh, earlier this day talked about this and uh, uh, the pl- players want uh, their supporters to be with them and and, 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 and well of, of course uh, sing and shout uh, the, the, and, and, and all they, they can do to, to make the team go ahead and, and but uh, I don't think it's uh, right bef- uh, because uh, there are no uh, away supporters. I, 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 I see, a, a, of course, a very a difference between uh, teams. Uh, teams today go uh, as a, to play away to other to the other team and, and go and wait uh, in their in their side, uh, and, and they don't uh, take much more risk. No, uh, sure, they uh, what. Italians always used to call, and Argentines still do call the the English average. Try and draw your home, uh, your away matches, and, and win the ones that you have at home. Um, and it always used to be that that would work out at about a point and a half a game when, when we had the two two points to a win system. So they referred to that as the the media inglesa. Problem is that you know you never know uh, how uh, the following match will be, and, and you can't make sure. Yeah, you we we will win the the next match. Uh, home because we, we must uh, we need the points the uh, playing at home uh, at their uh, at uh, our stadium and, and if if that were uh, were for was for sure of course uh, well yes uh, draw uh, 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 playing away and then at home you you will win for sure that's not that's, that 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 doesn't happen so. No. Uh, uh, I don't know why the teams away is uh, uh, they definitely play uh, at, I know four four two for example or four four one one the 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 draw of the of the lineup and then uh, uh, home they they take more uh, they they try to play more ag- uh, aggressively they uh, take a bit more of a risk yeah though. Yeah. yeah last week Mystic Sam. Um, did only predict two away wins, so the fact that none have come off is not entirely surprising. The two that, that Mystic Sam predicted were one of them was the, the Newell's match, uh, one of them was uh, Arsenal, uh, way to Central. Both of those ended up being decided quite late. Um, one in Mystic Sam's favour, Maxi Rodriguez, um, taking on half of Racing's midfield and defence and scoring. The best goal of the season, I think we can say already, even though we're only eight games in. I think it's going to be the best goal of the whole 2013-2014 season. Look it up on YouTube. Um, it's magnificent. Um, the other of which was Rosario Central, where Sebastián Abreu got a stoppage time equaliser against Arsenal to, to make Mystic Sam wrong 
in that one if Arsenal had hung on for two minutes longer. They'd have been fine, but it has to be admitted that they were very much hanging on. Um, let's talk about that one first, briefly. Because Central have really struggled away. Um, they're one of the many teams who've, who've not yet managed to, to win away. Um, but they've got, I think they've got one draw and three defeats away from home. But at home, they've been relatively strong. I mean, they've only lost one match so far. And that really has got to be what they're going to be aiming for if they're, if they're going to stay up, right? Because in the, in the relegation table at the moment, they're in the relegation zone. Of course, they lift out that very quickly if they can start to win a few matches. And they've got to, we mentioned it at the start of the season, after the first couple of matches, they've got to, to improve their, their home form. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, they conceded the goal, the, the, the one who scored for Arsenal was Jonathan Gomez, making the former... The, the late, of course, the, yeah, he's a former centre. Former uh, law stronger. Uh, the, the, that... Uh, law that says uh, that the law uh, of the X yeah. we translated yeah. to is yeah, which, which which states that uh, that when a player is playing against his old club, he will score. But yes, Central got the very late equaliser through through Sebastián Abreu El Loco, who I think was scoring for the second week running. Did he score the penalty, or was it the second home match running? Second week running, wasn't it? Yeah, but of course they will need to improve quickly for the relegation table as yeah. they have just uh, promoted to the Primera División. And yeah, it's. Um, it's a second, uh, sorry, a second. Uh, it, it, it brings to an end a run of three consecutive defeats, which of course reached its, its lowest point probably at uh, the, in round seven with that 2 0 defeat away to Tigre. I mean, how low can you get really losing against Tigre? Um, only Racing have managed that before Central. And it's not great because next weekend they've got a, a trip to all boys. Now, that, that one could go either way, to be honest, but. It's not a particularly easy one. Um, all boys are going to be eager to improve, I think, on, on their showing. Yeah, they, they started the, the, the torneo inicial with uh, the two goals from Chino Luna, then mm. they, they couldn't keep that performance. Of um, Central, of course. Yes, sorry, I thought you were talking about yes. all boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're so, quite right. Sorry, uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, but uh, every team that goes to Floresta and have to play with uh, against all boys uh, found, find very, very difficult to play at that stadium because mm. it's it, uh, every every player that goes there say that the 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 size of this of the stadium of the field is is a uh, much uh, is small quite small and and all boys uh, likes to play uh, pressing in they they leave the other their team to play in their side in their pitch and then uh, press uh, in the middle yeah. middle of the field and and makes uh, the waiting very very difficult to 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 manage to 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 take real opportunities to to score. So uh, uh, yes, the the the, the match uh, from Central away to All Boys will be very difficult. Uh, I think. Indeed, yeah, it, particularly yeah. because Central yeah. are another of these sides who, in their own stadium, they've got a very large pitch, um, El Gigante del Arroyito. Um, all boys is uh, it's it's not particularly short. It's 103 meters long, but 69 meters wide, according to its uh, to the Estadio Islas Malvinas Wikipedia page. Um, so it's not really not wide at all, um, and they do use that to to very very good effect, as do Rafaela, um, as we've we've mentioned in the past. Um, 
Getting on to more specifics of the results from the weekend just gone, let's let's give them a quick run through. We had Godoy Cruz beating Tigre 2-0. Um, fully deserved one, I think. Tigre perhaps a bit unlucky not to score, but I think Godoy Cruz deserved the win overall. Olimpo Belgrano drew. Uh, Central Nacional drew, as we've mentioned. Kilmes drew with, with Lanús 0-0. Did anything happen in that much? I missed it. But from what I heard, it was pretty dull. Yeah. yeah I heard yeah, that Guillermo yeah. Barros of Quilotto wasn't too happy with the refereeing. But, uh, well, in this case, I think Lanús was the one uh, which had more to lose in, in order to continue at the leadership, or not leadership, but at the top of the table and uh, couldn't break Quilmes. Uh, uh, yes, Lanús was the, more, uh, the team who had more responsibilities in that match. Quilmes must some points, uh, not you, some, but some points, uh, <laughs> Uh, to yeah, to escape the the bottom the bottom of the table and uh, couldn't break uh, Kilmes and well Guillermo Barros Esqueloto uh, was uh, the same he he was when he was a player he he also uh, uh, had arguments against the the the, the, the referees and, and mm. or or perhaps simulating fouls and 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 in this case if the other uh, side of the of the field he's uh, he continues that uh, behavior and uh, he uh, he always has must must say something something about the, the referees perhaps ironically not uh, not in yeah. a straight way but uh, he is his style and and he he's talking like seriously but uh, uh, through that seriousness he 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 tells well, no, I don't like to talk about the referee, but he talks and about the referee. And by saying that, he's... Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you can tell that Andres is a lifelong River Plate fan talking about a Boca Juniors legend the second I, gave, I brought that up, couldn't you? Um, San Lorenzo got one of the the other the weekend's other away victory, 2-0 against Colón. We had a draw in the La Plata derby. Uh, we had a draw in the Maradona derby between Argentinos and Boca, which is not a derby, as I mentioned a couple of times last week. Um... River Plate managed a very late winner against all boys. Uh, their legs held up impressively after a very long trip to Ecuador in midweek. And um, ooh, let's see, five out of a total of 17. So just under one third of the weekend's goals came not at the weekend at all, but on Monday night uh, in Liniers, just last night as we're recording, uh, with Belles Sarsfield thrashing Atletico Rafaela 4 1. It could have been far more than four, it has to be said. Um, which of those results really stand out to you, first of all, Andres? Well, uh, Vélez uh, uh, scored four goals against Rafaela. One of, of, of those goals was scored by Mauro Zarate. Yeah, who had a penalty saved right before half-time as well. Mm. Um, he's coming back from injury, wasn't he? He was out for four or five weeks. Quite a while. Don't remember exactly, but yes, four he, or five weeks. And he, he, played, he, played, he made his Vélez sort of second debut, re-debut or whatever after his return to the club in round three, I seem to think, uh, round, round about round two or three or four, um, and had to be subbed off after about half an hour with, with an injury, which has kept him out until now. And, and before that, uh, he had problems to be able to play because yes, some yeah. problems with Lazio, the, the former team, yeah. uh, who, well, they didn't allow him to play because of the contract and the the... the the ending of the contract and uh, yes I think that for Vélez if if Sarate uh, is okay physically I think he will be 
uh, with Prato making a a, a, a duo uh, mm. a pair of, of, of strikers that will uh, what will be very very dangerous uh, 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 taking into account that uh, that Ferreira is in Ukraine Ukraine I think yes yes uh, yeah he's uh, got to shout out on us not in Belize anymore and uh, and San Lorenzo is uh, uh, I think he is the, the victory against Colón uh, uh, in Santa Fe is a proof for was a proof for them to well uh, continue with the uh, victories and well and, and, and Piatti scoring a, a, a quite good goal <laughs> a long distance shot quite uh, a shot yeah, yeah. Um, that one was big for them of course because you're tying it in with Facundo Ferreira leaving and Valles having to look for a replacement for him San Lorenzo of course have to try and and find a replacement up front for Martin Calderuccio, who's out for six to eight months with a cruciate ligament, I think it's cruciate ligament injury. Um, they've gone until Friday to sign somebody. Um, Juan Antonio Pizzi, the manager, said yesterday that it's looking like they're not going to sign anybody. He said it's very hard to sign anyone from inside Argentina because we're already nearly halfway through the championship. None of the clubs want to give their players up. Um, it's very hard to sign somebody from outside Argentina for fairly obvious economic reasons and because it would have to be in Argentine because their the load of uh, foreigners is and already they, yeah, taken. The, the transfer deadline is, well, uh, they, they are, Argentine clubs are not allowed to to sign any more players in this uh, Exactly, so they, they, so they can't, although San Lorenzo have got the exception, if a club were to sell to San Lorenzo, then they then can't replace the player that they're letting San, uh, San Lorenzo have. Um and from that point of view, you're right. It was a very important couple of um, couple of goals for them because they were scored by, as you say, Ignacio Piatti, and then from this kid Juan Ignacio Cabacharo. It's so Ignacio scoring for San Lorenzo. Yeah, that's got to be it, right? Just play with lots of people called Ignacio. And Cabacharo, who was not insulted, I think, but he was like uh, disturbed by by Colón supporters because he has he had played played for Union, of course, yeah, yeah, who's uh, the rivals of yeah. Union. And he had the 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 joy of of scoring just Col- uh, Colón and well uh, sealing the victory for for away team San Lorenzo. It's, it's Cavallaro, in fact. Yeah. I was uh, I was mispronouncing it a second ago. It's his debut uh, for San Lorenzo as well, and he came off the bench in the second half to to score that goal, which which sealed the win. Um, I didn't catch very many of the games on Saturday. I have to admit, I, I missed all of the ones I, I, I caught. Sorry, on Sunday I, I caught Argentinos Boca and River All Boys, but I missed these three. Um, we've already spoken about Quilmes Lanús. There wasn't an awful lot to say. The La Plata Clásico was um, fiery though. From I, I caught the last five minutes or so of it. Looked interesting. There was a delay, wasn't there? Yes, uh, yeah, there seemed to be because yeah. it was supposed to kick off at the same time as Colón San Lorenzo, and it was just finishing when I when I got in and stuck Argentinos Boca on. Yes, uh, uh, there were uh, some plays which le- left some doubt, doubts uh, about the referee, mm. uh, precisely uh, Saul Laverni, who defended himself, saying that the, we have to understand their work, that they are taking decisions in 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 seconds, mm. only seconds, and which is true, but they are prepared for for that. If you don't, are not prepared for for taking decisions in a se- in, in a pair of seconds. You have to, I don't know, I don't know, open a shop and, and <laughs> something like that. And I don't know, uh, but uh, uh, the truth is that uh, what uh, everyone says is that gymnasia was, I don't know, uh, if the word robbed is the the one 
who uh, applies for the the match, but uh, was very uh, is to discuss the the, the decisions okay. that Laverne took, uh, the 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 free kick that uh, uh, took for for uh, estudiantes, which then uh, who scored uh, through Aguirre Garay, the Uruguayan yep. player. Uh, it was polemic, at least. Okay, I've I've still not seen any of these. Uh, what happened in the match, anyway? The rough chronology was that Gimnasia uh, went one 0 up in the twenty second minute through Eric Correa, who'd also scored the late winner for them the previous week against Colón, I think it was, wasn't it at home? Um, and fairly shortly into the second half, fifty uh, seventh minute, uh, Facundo Oreja was was sent off. Um, that was only a couple of minutes before Aguirre Garay, as you say, equalised um, for Estudiantes. We had Pedro Troglio sent off right after Aguirre Garay's equaliser, so he obviously wasn't happy. He seemed to see his manager. And then what I saw at the very end when I turned it on was Israel Damonte getting sent off for, I didn't actually see. Yes, he was. He got crazy and... and, and he tried to headbutt someone, didn't he? And he seemed to sort of slip yes. over. The guy stepped backwards and Damonte didn't appear to me to make any contact. But he got sent off anyway. For the intention, I guess, which which is fair enough, but of course at that point in the game, this is two minutes into stoppage time. It's far too late to make a difference to yeah. to the result. I think Laverne blew up immediately afterwards for full time. Um, so a fiery La Plata Clásico as ever. Uh, fortunately, came off without any deaths in the stand. Apparently, there were a bunch of Gimnasia fans who took out temporary membership of Estudiantes so that they can go to the game. Yeah, craziness is uh, well. Is, you can imagine any, everything, uh, but uh, uh, making yourself socio of of the rival team because you want to go to the stadium. But I I, I don't uh, fancy uh, a River Plate or Boca Juniors uh, uh, taking a socio membership for for uh, going to the stadium. Of course, it's uh, it's River Boca or Boca River, and it's the most important match and you want to go there and, and, and watch uh, your team play but uh, I think that uh, if, if you are a Boca Juniors supporter and, and, and go to the River Plate offices and, and, and make yourself socio of River only to see one to watch one match I think that uh, what well, uh, limits are, are, are <laughs> I thought that yeah. there were uh, there were some limits and in it this turns case out the round. Yeah. <laughs> This, this is what the AFA drive people to with the, the away fan ban which we're hearing today is going to be extended until the end of the year um, that's it we're not going to have any, any away fans at any stadium there, there were uh, apparently or uh, eventually there were uh, uh, there was going to be a, a meeting of the board of the AFA as a football Argentinos association of the Fútbol Argentino uh, was going to take place in order to discuss this this subject about the yes. away supporters and but finally before the, the, the that, that meeting was already decided that that away fans won't, won't, wouldn't yeah. be a, we wouldn't be able to to go to the stadiums uh, up to 2014 so and in, in typical AFA style this was announced in the middle of the afternoon possibly late late morning but I heard about it in the middle of the afternoon and they're still having the debate anyway like as, as we're recording they're at the AFA headquarters still debating whether or not they should do it even though it's already been announced and confirmed that whatever the result of the debate they're not going to be allowing away fans in for the rest of the year and you think well why are you 
why are you having the debate then if you've already made your minds up um, it's it's utterly ridiculous um, and, and there's as, just sorry as if the solution was to not to be not to do to leave uh, away fans to go to the stadium as if, as if that was the solution and mm. well uh, yeah when we clearly see that sometimes the home team supporters by themselves uh, uh, produce the the, the, the riots exactly the yeah because the fighting among Barra Bravas is not between Rivers Barra Brava and Bocas Barra Brava it's between a section of Rivers Barra Brava and another section of Rivers yeah. Barra Brava so banning away fans for the Super Classico for yeah. instance doesn't make any difference the other thing of course is that this ban came in towards the end of last season because a policeman shot a Lanús fan dead that Lanús fan wasn't Right, he was actually trying to liaise between police and, and the Barra. He, he was not a Barra himself, and a policeman pointed a gun at him, shot him at point-blank range in the middle of the chest, and the fan died. As a result of which, the AFA's response is to say, and the government's response is to say, no away fans then. I mean, yeah, sure, if, you're not, if you haven't got any away fans at the stadium, then police are not going to be able to shoot away fans dead. Um, but it's quite sad when, when that becomes the logical conclusion of it, I suppose. Um, so if you're watching the Super Classico, which is in a week and a half's time, you will not see any Boca Juniors fans in River Plate Stadium. Ramon Diaz has made a very big thing about that last week after we recorded. Uh, he was saying, sorry, Boca, we're not going to be able to let you in. There are going to be eighty or 90,000 River fans in the stadium, um, which, if anybody from Argentine Health and Safety was listening to what he said, they would have been very interested to hear because the capacity is only about 65,000 at the Monumental at most. Um, so we'll see. That uh, won't be the case of this Thursday when River Plate uh, uh, plays against Liga de Loja because on Friday there will be a Iron Maiden concert and, yes. and the, the, the scenario the, the scenario will be stage, already stage the stage sorry will be already uh, built in uh, into the stadium and they, they've already the, the way that Canchashena La Nación's sport website reported this was, first of all, they misspelled the word contrarreloj, or sort of working against the clock. Um, they, they misspelled that. They misspelled Liga de Loja. They wrote Liga de Soja, or League of Soy, uh, for the away team. Um, and they also claimed that the stage was going to be on the pitch. It's behind one of the goals. It's very much not. I mean, it's on the grass, but it's certainly not on the pitch. In, this, um, in that case, it would be difficult it would be to very score difficult any goals. To play a composite Americana yeah. match, wouldn't it? If, if the stage was on the pitch, um, but it is bloody big, and it's going to It's going to um, seriously obstruct the view of what they reported. It as was the the fans in the away end and in the upper tier behind that goal. It's also going to seriously obstruct the view, even more seriously, I would think, of the fans in in, in the home section underneath. Um, that a waste because I've been in the, the Centenario Baja and it's a pretty rubbish view even when there's and nothing in front of you but tickets will be expensive anyway will yeah 500 pesos for the away section 70 dollars yeah. more or less yeah, yeah. the official rate is yeah 70 dollars um, so again if you're, if you're watching uh, River versus Liga de Soja um, on, on Thursday evening it's 7.30 kickoff local time so even if you're in the UK you might be able to stay up and watch that one for a change uh, it's not a ridiculous 10 p.m. kickoff, which is two in the morning for for the Brits. Mm. Um, that's why that stage is there, um, and they're also pretty upset because they're only going to have 10 days to sort out the the pitch after the concert for for the Super Classico. Because previously, 
Wembley have had rock concerts on that pitch. It's completely ruined the pitch. I remember going to a World Cup qualifier at the Monumental last year, about three days after a big gig. I can't remember who it was playing. Um, and the pitch was an absolute mess. It was awful. Guns N' Roses, I think it was. Um, so, yes, indeed. Lots of stuff going on at River. One of, one thing, however, which, which gives us reason for cheer, both of us as River Plate fans, um, was one of the very few results that I'm ever happy to see Mystic Sam get wrong. I predicted a draw between River Plate and All Boys. Uh, the result was a win for River Plate. 1-0, late Late goal from Carlos Carbonero with 10 minutes to go. Carbonero by that point had already picked up his uh, fifth yellow card of the season and lots and lots of River fans on my Twitter timeline at least were cheering and saying, hey, he's not going to be playing next week, thank God, Uh, because he's been pretty rubbish, it has to be said, so far this season. And then he popped up and scored the winning goal. Did you see any improvement in River? Did you see anything to to admire? We should also say that since we last recorded... um, River have uh, lost the first leg of the Copa Sudamericana tie that we just watched. 2-1 away to Liga de Loja, that we just mentioned, sorry. Um, they got the away goal, which I concur with Ramon Diaz, I think is, is a, a plus. But obviously, performance wasn't great. Yes, uh, I think that well, they have to score at least one goal and, 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 mm. and, and uh, uh, not concede any goals, of course. Uh, I, the goal, the I, goal I, think, I think River will be, I think they'll get through. Yes, I mean Liga didn't look like a very good side. Frankly, it was the, at altitude. Um, no, the problem is that is that River will have their supporters there, and they will <laughs> be a bit. Uh, they will have any, any somehow pressure uh, to the players and mm, and absolutely. Uh, uh, one nil uh, with the one nil score, they will uh, pass through the quarterfinals of Copa Sudamericana, where they will have to face. Uh, I don't like to say for sure, but uh, likely Lanús, who... Oh, is it Lanús in the quarters that they've got? Yes, uh, oh, Lanús okay. uh, against the uh, Universidad de Chile, but the, the, the first leg, uh, they uh, defeat uh, Universidad de Chile 4-0, four, four and yeah. then we have to go to Chile and, and defend that that difference that's that's at they, 7.30 on Wednesday evening, yeah. we're recording this on Tuesday, so that match will probably... Knowing how prompt I am at getting these things online, it will probably be being played more or less when I manage to get Handapod uploaded this week. The, the problem is that uh, I think Diego Aloha will uh, try to defend the goal they scored, the 2 1 difference they ob- uh, obtained uh, in, mm. in, in Ecuador, uh, and will put things difficult for River because uh, if, if they had watched uh, matches. The matches that uh, River Plate rivals played in the Stadium Monumental, they will see that if they block uh, the the midfield River Plate uh, uh, of River Plate, they will uh, River will be very very uh, hard. Uh, they will have things very hard to to improve in in, in the field and 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 to score uh, well. Uh, as I said, one zero result make uh, automatically River to. Uh, pass uh, and, and go into the quarterfinals mm. because of the uh, the away goal. In that case, I agree with Ramon Diaz. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think they're going to even need the away goals. Though, I, from what I saw of Liga de Loja, I think River can win by two. Yeah. I, I, even for River, e- even not being in fantastic form, um, I would expect River to, to get through against them. Lanús in the next round is going to be a, an entirely different matter, of course. Um, they're going to need to be very lucky <laughs> to, to reach the semis, I think. Um, 
But what did you make of them on, on Sunday? Because on Sunday they played another side who set out to defend, set out to set out their stall, were happy to, to try and, and get the point and got very close to it. Um, we know that all boys approach away matches this way. Um, Manuel Matos, it has to be said, was very poor in comparison with the previous weekend when he scored a hat-trick uh, against... Was it Kielmes? Yes, Kielmes, yes. Um, he was... He, or barely touched the ball, in fact, and when he did, it was, it was very poor. Um, but River eventually got the win. He had a very clear, Mauro Matos, I think in the first half, no, second half, sorry, a very, very clear uh, with oh, the open course. goal. Yeah. Uh, 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 I think it was a cross uh, from Bustamante, the, mm. the left defender, and he took the ball uh, just when the ball rebound, uh, bounced the, the, the field, and, well, he sent the ball... Uh, very very up, uh, and uh, uh, I think it was a lucky goal. Uh, the, the the way they uh, the river was going to score, if they ha- they had to score a goal against all boys, was like it was uh, from a, yes from a from a corner kick and, and Carbonero uh, taking the ball uh, as if he as he could. Uh, uh, he, it was uh, uh, the the ball rebound. I think it bounced. Uh, uh, Cambiaso, the, the all boys goalkeeper, and then yeah. he 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 shot the ball as as he could, and and, and then the goal was in the into the goal, uh, uh, and even it could have been it could have gone uh, up from the from the goal because yeah. it was yeah. it it got, got into the 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 goal in the so corner, the the roof yeah. of the net. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, but it went in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> somehow, somehow he managed to score it. The thing is that we keep saying this and River win matches, and you think, well, maybe they'll get a bit more confident for the next match, and then they don't. Um, so I'm not, I don't have hold out much hope for them. They, they've got Lanús away from home this weekend. Lanús have won their last two home matches, four nil, and four nil. Uh, just in case that wasn't clear enough, they've won them both 4-0 uh, against Argentinos, and then, as we mentioned, against Universidad de Chile in the Copa Sudamericana. Um, so that's going to be quite a step up for, for River. Um, I don't have very much confidence that they'll be able to, to see it through. Argentinos-Boca is the other remaining match from Sunday. There's not much to say about it, except just to mention, uh, Gaspar Iniguez has been getting it in the neck from everybody here. Uh, the Argentine press have been mercilessly taking the piss out of him for the last couple of days, because... Towards the end of the match, Boca Juniors had a counter-attack. Juan Manuel Martinez was carrying the ball at pace into the Argentinos' half. Towards the goal, Iniguez was moving across the pitch to try, try and block the, the run-off to try and tackle him. And um, now, depending who you listen to, if you listen to me, then what happened was that Iniguez slipped over, realised he was tripping and decided to try and make the best of a bad situation by just getting himself in the way of Martinez. Uh, the reason everybody's been taking the piss out of him so much is that I seem to be the only person in Argentina who thinks he did it accidentally. Everybody else seems to think he was trying to tackle Martinez with his head. Um, no, I think it was Herbes. Uh, Christian Herbes who... Was it Herbes? Yes, who, who, who got injured from that play and, yeah. and then he will, won't be avail, uh, available to play uh, next week. Uh, and uh, I think he, re- he was remembering Maradona uh, saying uh, that... If you have to fight a ball... Yeah, yeah right, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Herbes was subbed off immediately after it. Yeah. Maradona used to say uh, uh, several years uh, ago that if you have to fight a ball with the head, you have to do it. And, and mm. I, Gaspar Nies, what 
exactly what he did uh, was that. Uh, he, he lost two, three teeth as a yeah. result of it as well, uh, as well as picking up a yellow card, of course, and giving Boca uh, a, a, a fairly dangerous free kick, which they didn't score from, but that was only that was with two minutes to go. Um, it was bloody funny. It has to be said. I mean, poor him for losing two teeth, but it was funny. I just wasn't quite sure that it, it was entirely as deliberate as, as everybody in Argentina seemed to think it was. Um, which, as I say, doesn't change the, the hilarity of it. The teammates of, of Iniguez, uh, obviously, uh, uh, said, well, I have to congratulate uh, Iniguez because uh, Herbes was going very uh, clear to the goal and, and perhaps, I, we don't know if he was going to score but he was clear into the Argentina juniors. Uh, yeah, he had passing side. options ahead of yeah. him. There were only a couple of defenders beyond behind Iniguez because Argentinos had gone up for a corner, I think it was. Um, yeah. And the teammate uh, said, well, he will have to fix the, uh, his feet. And, well, <laughs> he will also... Why don't he also fix his, his face? Well, yeah. it was a bit... Uh, well, obviously a joke, but uh, <laughs> very, very funny. Indeed. Um, the remaining matches we've already mentioned was was Vélez four uh, one win over over Atlético Rafaela with four different goal scorers. Um, I mentioned towards the end of last season, I think it was Newell's hit somebody for five with with five different scorers. So well done, Vélez, because um, that that always shows good attacking options. Fabio Fabian Cubero, um, the defender, being one of them from from a from a corner, wasn't it? I think in, in a wide position, um, it was either a wide free kick or a corner, but I think it was a corner. Um, Leandro de Sabato as well, the young midfielder coming on, the man who's got the same name as an Estudiantes Is he called Leandro, like the one, like the defender from... He is, they're the cousins. So ah. he's, Vélez uh, is Leandro de Sabato, he's named after Estudiantes Leandro de Sabato, because uh, there's, there's like, Estudiantes one is like 15 years older or something, he's coming towards the end of his career, and this kid at Vélez is, is just starting out on his... Um, but Teixe did a, a feature on them when Vélez uh, and Estudiantes played last season. Um, it was, uh, it was quite funny. Um, and that's all the results. They leave us with a Torneo Inicial table for the moment. And you say for the moment, and I still almost feel like it's too early in the season to start reading it out. And then you stop and you think, well, we're eight matches into a 19-match season. So we're well over a third of the way through now, uh, through the Inicial, with Newell's Old Boys, 17 points from eight matches. San Lorenzo second on 16. And then we've got Arsenal, Gimnasia and Argentinos on 14, Lanús and Boca on 13. That's right, Boca Juniors, who we've been slagging off for most of the season, are within four points of the lead. Um, a couple of other teams, Vélez and Godoy Cruz on 12. That's basically the top half of the table. Estudiantes and River on 11. Um, so even River, down in 11th place, are only six points behind, behind Newell's. They've got a very outside shot, a long way outside, but it is an outside shot at the title if they can just put some form together. Likewise, Estudiantes as well. Um... Arsenal now the only unbeaten side in the table, uh, and Racing Club are the only side, still the only side, uh, without a win, because of course they, by all accounts, played much better. I, I didn't see the match on Friday night, but from what I heard, they actually played pretty well and were slightly unlucky um, to, to lose to that late Maxi wonder goal. Um, would you, did you catch it, Andres, or? Uh, no, but uh, I, I, I imagine uh, Racing uh, uh, having to play better, but I, as I, I think as I, I said uh, before, uh, Racing not also has to play better, but not also play better. Uh, they, they have to have a, a strike of luck, mm. 
to score and, and, and not to concede any goals and uh, they, of course that Maxi Rodriguez goal was he took it from the a, a magician hat for, for to tell to put it into another words the uh, the goal the the goal video that I have put up on Astel Gol Siempre that's on Friday night um it's from a guy who's got a YouTube channel. He's called Christian Banai, and he uploads a bunch, whole loads of uh, videos with the television commentary, and then he uploads them as well with various radio commentaries over the top of the the TV footage. Um, and the radio commentators are always brilliant. And the one that I chose was was one where during one of the replays, this this radio commentator says, <laughs> "Disgusting image." I mean, just Hannibal Lecter-like. He says, uh, "It's as if he was Maradona wearing Messi's skin." Absolutely horrible, but it's a, an apt um, an apt description of, of this goal. Seriously, go and look it up on YouTube, or, or go to Astel Gol Siempre and, and look up the post that I made on Friday night, um, and you'll see it there because it is magnificent. Um, the reason that we mentioned harassing, however, and, and their crisis is that you've you've actually prepared, Andres. You've done some research. This is the first time in 119 episodes, Handapod, that anybody's ever done any research. Um, because I was asking you earlier whether you could try and, and say anything at all about what the hell's going on at Racing. We know, obviously, what's going on on the pitch. As we've just mentioned, they've got two draws and six defeats from eight matches. They've scored three. They've conceded 14. But in the last couple of days, um, there's all kinds of shit flying around the boardroom as well. We've got Corgorno, who's the president. We've got Molina, who's one of the vice presidents. I've got those the right way around, haven't I? And Victor Blanco is the another vice president. Yes, and, and Blanco. And they're all saying, I'm going to resign if he resigns. Or... Yeah. I'm resigning, but those two aren't resigning, or I'm not going if he's not going, and nobody really knows what's going on. They're talking about it on the TV at the moment. Yeah. We've got it on mute, so we can't say what they're saying. But what, what on earth is... What I can say is that what happens in the desk is translated into the pitch, and if rushing is the last po- uh, position in the table, it's the, the bottom, very bottom, with two points, and if even if they win the next match, they won't... Reach Olimpo, who has six points. Mm. Uh, that means something, and uh, it means that uh, well, uh, uh, Roberto Ayala, who was the manager, uh, was sacked uh, two weeks ago, and that was like uh, uh, that meant that some, something even uh, harder was coming. Yeah, and, th- this is the former uh, yeah. Valencia defender, as most of our yeah. listeners will Roberto know. Ayala yeah. and the national Argentina team. Yeah. Uh, and yes, Cogorno yesterday said that he will resign if, as you said, Molina and Blanco resigned, mm. which meant also that uh, if, they, if that happened... Of course, if that, that happens, then there are elections. Yeah, for they will have to call to elections, uh, to early elections. And next year, Cogorno... Uh, uh, the, the, he he must end the the the, the presidents. So uh, there will be anyway elections. But uh, yes, the the club itself is uh, uh, is through a, a very difficult situation, and yes, is transla- translated into this that uh, Cogorno uh, said that he will resign if Molina and Blanco resign, and Molina saying that he wouldn't resign. So it, it sounds like, uh, uh, I know, if, if uh, not serious, because uh, you can't pretend the, the, the vice president to resign with you and, and leave the club alone, and no. Uh, mm. It's really difficult to believe. 
It is, and it's just another example of, of what's been a very difficult two decades, certainly a very difficult century so far for Racing at a directorial level. Of course, we've mentioned in passing in the past about uh, how Racing started the century. I think was it two thousand and one when they were put into to private ownership, um, and, and were owned by a, by a group called Blanky Celeste or Sky Blue and White um, for ooh, until about two thousand and eight, I think, or two thousand and nine. Um, which was popular with not a single one of their fans um, and oversaw one of the worst periods in the club's history. Um, and now they've, they've returned to democracy, as, as we have this phrase in Argentina, the return to democracy, which refers to the uh, the overthrowing of the junta. Uh, <laughs> the Racing fans overthrew their own junta. Um, and it's really not got very much better for them since almost. The bizarre thing is that I don't think anybody's surprised that Ischia's not having much of a... D- an influence um, on this because I think we well certainly not, nobody at Hand of Pod is going to be because we pretty much all said when he joined well that's not going to work um, but the, the, it's more than just that as you say it's, it's the directors it, it's it's what Bielsa is reported to have said to the directors when they offered him the job well you haven't got a project <laughs> how can you claim to have a project when you're firing your manager four weeks into the season and now, four weeks longer into the season, the directors are firing themselves, or they're trying to. So, it, it really, uh, if anything, underlines that Bielsa was entirely right to, to not take the, <laughs> the Racing job, I guess, doesn't yeah. it? Incredibly now, it uh, looks like Independiente smiles and Racing cries. Uh, Absolutely, and that's a very, very neat segue indeed. Um, I'm going to play some music, uh, we're going to, to recharge our glasses with, with another Fernet, and then we will come back and we'll talk, just a tiny bit, about Independiente in the B Nacional. Nacional update, we've not done one in a, a little while, and uh, some listeners might be surprised by this. When we say B Nacional, what we of course refer to is Independiente, because um, nobody cares about the rest of the division, <laughs> right? Um, Independiente, as, as most listeners will be aware, began the season, actually I'm going to try and get their uh, form guide up here before we start this, they began the season very, very badly indeed. Was it four losses? Was it one draw and three losses or something? Um under Miguel Ángel Brindisi. Let's have a look. They started the season off with a defeat, of course, the first ever uh, Big Five campaign in the second division to begin with a loss uh, since the Big Five became a thing, of course, because all of them played in the lower division sort of a century odd ago and, and may or may not have lost their first matches, but this is the first time one of them has been relegated and then and then lost. Uh, they followed it up with two draws and things appeared to be improving a little bit and then they lost again away to Atletico Tucumán in the fourth round and that is when Miguel Ángel Brindisi was sacked or stood down one of the two with two points from four matches with the side having half a point per game and being in the relegation zone to go down to the third division lots of Racing fans laughing about them uh, how they were going to go down to the B Metro which of course was always unlikely anyway they were always going to pick up at some point but Omar de Felipe has come in 
we said at the time when he came in that it was going to look like a, a very good appointment for them. He's a manager who knows the division inside out, having got promoted from it twice with uh, Olimpo and with Quilmes um, in the past and having kept both sides successfully in the Primera. Admittedly, with Quilmes it took him a couple of attempts, but he still did it. Um, since when, Independiente have played five matches. They've drawn two, both at home. Nil-nil uh, with Independiente Rivadavia de Mendoza in his first match. Um, and 1-1 one, one, two weeks later against Banfield and they've won three matches two of them away 10 points out of 12 yeah. indeed 1-0 away to Huracan 1-0 away to Villa San Carlos uh, in Gimnasia Stadium that was the match that got played just after we recorded last week uh, the, the delayed uh, Gimnasia Colón match caused that one to be played as a knock-on and then last night or yesterday evening Monday evening uh, at home to San Miento de Junín they went 1-0 down very early on fourth minute I think it was um, with a header from a corner from Shamil Garnier that's an unusual name for you uh, even by South American standards and it was all doom and gloom again and oh god they've gone behind again they're useless what are they going to do Facundo Parra appears and um, perhaps he's found his level yeah. <laughs> Facundo Parra turns out to be a second division striker um, and gave it the the return as they say in Spanish Dio la vuelta um, turned the match on its head and Independiente have 1-2-1 it's the first home win of the season which means of course the first win in front of any of their own fans because there are no away fans in the B Nacional um, and suddenly things are looking up again they're nine points behind the leaders I think yeah, it lo- looks like the, the, the players that had to appear, appeared finally, mm. with Montenegro scoring against uh, Villa San Carlos last week. Yeah, of course. And uh, Facundo Parra, like you said, uh, in this case, uh, in two opportunities to make the, the to turn around the, the score and, and make it a 2-1 victory against Sarmiento de Junín. Um, and now they, they are comfortable, well, not that comfortable, but they have... Now 13 points, and they are uh, 7 points to Defensa y Justicia, who have the leadership with 20 points, I think. 9 points. Uh, Defensa y Justicia, so 22. 22 points. Well, uh, in, this, in that case, anyway, it's, uh, they improved uh, uh, pretty, pretty improved uh, mm. uh, comparing uh, to the, well, the, the matches you have uh, taken. They uh, took into account. Uh, well, they, they've improved enormously. I mean, the first round they lost to, uh, let's just remind myself again, Brown de Adrogué, who today, after eight matches, are down in 19th of a 22 team uh, table. Um, it was Brown de Adrogué's first ever match in the second division, let's not forget as well. They, they'd been promoted from the third division uh, last season. The Just yesterday, the 2 1 win that they got, turning it on its head, was against. Sarmiento, who are fifth, um, a point ahead still of Independiente even after that win, which just goes to show, I mean, it, it's obviously <laughs> sides sometimes lose matches to, to teams below them in the table and sometimes win matches against teams above them in the table, um, but that's kind of illustrative of, of how much Independiente have improved in these games. They're nowhere near the relegation zone anymore, as long as they keep the current form up, that's not going to be an issue, and they look very much like they, they could well be setting themselves on the run to, to going back at the first time of asking now and it's one thing that Miguel Angel Brindisi actually said you know uh, himself um, in, in fairness to him even after he when it became apparent that he, he just wasn't going to be in charge for much longer even though he hadn't yet stood down he made the point look Central last season after what six or eight matches 
had an awful record, they were bottom of the table, and then they went on this streak of winning 17 out of 19 games or something stupid and going 22 unbeaten or something like that, and, and they got promoted beating records for the you know, various second division records along the way. Uh, it is mostly a question of confidence, I think, and, and yeah. self-esteem, because uh, now they, they, are, they are believing that they, that they, that they can, that mm-hmm. they are able to win a match, in, in, and, and, and if they had won, I don't know, for example, two, they, if they were winning 2-0, two, zero, two nil, and, and Sarmiento had uh, put 2-1, the score 2-1, that would be, have been different than it happened. That they turn round the, the 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 score and make it from zero from nil one to two one. Mm. That's the sensation is different, and they 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 might might think, well, we could uh, uh, turn round the, the 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 score and we could win a, a home, which is also important. Yeah. So. Yes, I, I think that Omar De Felipe is a good coach as Brindisi is, but uh, perhaps it has to do with confidence and, and to make players to believe them, in themselves. Uh, I, no I secrets, think, I think. I have to admit, I think he's a better manager. Than, I, I think even at first yeah. division level now, he'd be better than Brindisi. Um, he's, he's a more modern manager, in, in my opinion. Um, and, and, and certainly, obviously... What no one's going to deny, I don't think, is that he knows the division um, better. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if he comes up with Independiente and, and manages to do uh, something fairly decent with them uh, in the season to come. They do have a couple of tricky games coming up. They've got Tacheres de Cordoba in their next match. That's in Cordoba. Uh, Tacheres, as we've mentioned previously, one of the bigger clubs in the division. Um, they only came back up into it uh, this season as well. They, they were promoted, but it had been a while coming and nobody was particularly surprised um, when, when they won promotion. Uh, this was the match that we mentioned, some of you might remember, uh, was the match that actually got more... Uh, there were more spectators present at the match that Tacheres gained promotion from the third division than there were in the Super Classico on the same day. Um, because the the capacity of their stadium or well the capacity of the, the Bicentenario in San Juan is, is greater than that of La Bombonera you look like you want to say yeah. something Andres yeah Tachers that came from Argentina A like you said and they I think they they defeat defeated Newell's in the Copa Argentina they did you're quite right yeah, yeah. just after Newell's had won the championship and were possibly still celebrating yes. uh, in, in fairness to them um, but yes they, they, they certainly did um after that one, Independiente have got they're at home against Union, uh, one of the sides, of course, who, who got relegated from the first division, um, along with them. And both of those sides at present are level with points, level with on points. I'll start that sentence again. Are level on points with Independiente. Uh, they've all got 13 points. They've all won three, drawn four, and lost two. Also, bizarrely, Tacheres have got exactly the same goals for and against record nine eight. Union yeah, have also conceded eight. We can say that the team that wins against uh, between Independiente and Tacheres uh, will uh, feel that they have real possibilities to be uh, well. Of course, will uh, will be upper from the middle of the table, and yeah. that's something that makes you. In, in the case of Independiente, will be uh, the uh, third uh, victory in a row, or uh, and. and Will be 13 points out of 15, which will, mm. yeah, will be a push. They will push away. And, Absolutely, yeah, yeah it, it could be huge for them. 
Other noteworthy stories so far in the B Nacional? Do we have any? Do you, do you watch much B Nacional? I, I didn't have the possibility. No, really. not no. I. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest here. Um, Pitches we'll have to wait for Santi. Really. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait for Santi to get back on hand to pop before we can give you real tales from the lower divisions. Um, but Vicha San Carlos and he's Alves. a fan of Defe, right? He is. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a fan of Arsenal as well, um, and he's now a fan of Defensores as well because yes. he lives near the stadium so that, that, that the team he goes to see uh, Vicha San Carlos and Aldo Sibia the bottom two both of them have yet to, to win a match both of them have got better records in the second division than Racing have in the top flight though uh, so if you're a Racing fan don't get too cocky um, but the uh, I don't think anyone's going to be too surprised by that relegation um, zone at the moment is Vicha San Carlos Brande Adbrogue and Team Nasir de Jujuy in the relegation table no, no surprises now way up the table no surprises about Vicha San Carlos, a team, a very small team who, that, sorry, which uh, sometime, some years ago was in the Primera C, and mm. then they had a rush and, and, and promoted first to Primera B Metropolitana and then to Primera B Nacional, the second, of, yeah. of course, second division. Absolutely. I, I guess the other, uh, the, the main story in the B Nacional so far is the defence team was this year going fantastically. Um, They've been in the Primera before, right? But not for a long, long time. Yeah. Have they? Have they been in the Primera? Let's look defensively at this year. The, what I know is that the only team that, uh, apart from Boca, that didn't suffer the relegation was Arsenal, who was oh. always in the National B and then uh, promoted to the Primera to Primera Division and then. Up to now, they hadn't. I've uh, really I, I bust this myth the first time that we had Santi on. Actually, Arsenal have been relegated. They were relegated in 1982 or 1984 really? from oh, okay. from Primera B to to Primera B, oh. because when they restructured and made Primera B the third division and brought the B Nacional in, Arsenal were relegated in that season. Um, so it doesn't now. When you look at their run of seasons, it looks like they just stayed in Primera B. But in fact, it was a relegation. Okay. Um, but they've never been, pre- been relegated from the top flight. You're, you're, you're quite right. And uh, along with Boca, they're two, the only two clubs who've done that. But of course, Arsenal have only been in the top flight for 12 years, so it's slightly less impressive in that case. Defensa y Justicia um, have, let me see, have never been in the Primera and currently are topping the second division. Um, right alongside them are a side who very much have been in the Primera, Banfield. And they've been down in the second division for... For a while, during which, gallingly for them, Lanús have been doing very well indeed. Of course, those are two uh, two big regional rivals. That's that's the big derby of the south of, of Greater Buenos Aires. Um, under Matias Almeida's stewardship, another manager who knows the second division very well, having taken charge of, of River during their sole season in the B. Um, Banfield are the top scorers in the division so far, 18 goals from nine matches. And have conceded only six, which I think is the joint second best defensive record, just glancing down that table. It is indeed. Oh, joint third best, maybe. Um, so, quite an interesting kind of contrast yeah. there. But one side now in Banfield, who, although they've probably, I think, spent just about more in the second division than in the first, very much a, a first division side is how they think of themselves. And defensively, it was this year, who could be closing in on a first ever season in the Primera. And Crucero del Norte in third as well, who what, came up this season or last season? This season, I think. Yeah, this this one. Yeah. Uh, I think that between Defensa and and Banfield, uh, for uh, according to the, the 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 structure of the of the club, Banfield will be the one who 
I think I I I see more possibilities of, uh, to Banfield. Oh, to, absolutely! It's to, to be in the uh, in the top because yeah. they, apart from Almeida, that has a good, a really good team indeed for the for the Primera B Nacional uh, division. The, he uh, takes uh, he comes with uh, Salcedo, the former uh, Newells and, and River uh, mm. striker uh, from Paraguay. Then uh, Juan Casares, a uh, former River Plate. Uh, He of course, yeah, he's gone on loan there, hasn't he? Yeah. Player and, and Ricardo Tito Noir, uh, who yeah. has been in New South Boys and last week had, has been. Uh, well, there, there were some rumors that he had a romance with Sebastián Perata, the also former goalkeeper from New Okay. And he said that that's why he had to leave Rosario, mm. precisely New and and go to Banfield, because he wasn't comfortable in that uh, city. And the Rosario Central fans were like uh, joking about his sexual condition. You can imagine the, the kind of things that yeah. Argentine football fans would say about rumors like that. Actually, <laughs> that's another thing that I tweeted about during Argentinos Juniors versus Boca on Sunday was that uh, the match was stopped for about two minutes at one point because Argentinos fans were singing the normal racist, xenophobic uh, stuff that every group of fans in the country comes out with when, when Boca come to visit about Bolivians and Paraguayans and so quite rightly uh, the, the match was stopped until they, they shut up about 10 minutes after that you could hear on the television um, the Argentinos fans shouting all Boca fans are puffs all Bo and carries on so apparently in Argentina xenophobia is right out and we're going to stop the game and give you a slap on the wrist for it but if you're homophobic then uh, carry on nothing to see here um And there, if that sounds a bit like a run, then it's because it was. There, there is always a discussion, discussion about that, uh, because uh, of course you have to do something. But if you stop the match for a couple of minutes, you are going, you are giving them imp the importance that yeah. uh, uh, they are. They feel they are strong. If they mm. sing along, uh, Boca fans are, I know, Bolivian par from Paraguay, which insults Paraguay, and it, it is very, very. Uh, I know, uh, difficult because uh, you you are trying to insult Boca fans, uh, Boca, uh, the Boca, and you are insulting Bo uh, Bolivia community, Paraguay, and yeah. and, and uh, when you stop the match for two minutes or three, and then you do anything else, uh, you don't do anything else. Uh, you are going, you are giving them importance, and they know that. Mm -hmm. They know that they well, they they won't do anything else. People so, are far more likely to hear it on the television because yeah. the match has been stopped than they are if you, you carry on during the match um, to drag it back to defence East this year well, I've just looked up their fixture list and they're actually playing whoever Independiente played in the previous round uh, they've got Sarmiento in the next then they've got Tacheres then they've got Union so it's an interesting load of fixtures coming up for them um, of course what that does mean is that the final weekend of the season Defensa Justicia have got Independiente Well, not the final weekend, sorry, the, the third from last weekend. Um, they're away to Independiente, of course, yes, the 19th. I'm, I'm going to get mixed up because there are more teams in the third division. Uh, the second division, sorry. Yeah. Um, they're away to Independiente. So if somehow Defensa Justicia have kept up this brilliant season, um, then it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting there, to see. There were already the couple of, of teams uh, to the Primera B Nacional. So yeah. there are 42 matches yeah. in the whole season. 
and and that uh, means, of course, that whilst we discussed earlier about how we're, it feels like the the first division championship has barely started, but we're actually already halfway through it. The Bay Nacional, of course, is one championship through the whole season, and we're only one quarter, well, not even one quarter of the way through that yet. Um, yeah, very tough because you have to travel along the the whole country mm-hmm. more uh, more or less, and, and you have to go to Cruzeiro Norte, which is a I think it's Misiones, uh, play in Misiones, yep. and then you have to go to the south and to the other way side of the of the country. Yeah. It's not anymore. Brown, uh, the Madrid is from Puerto Madryn is not anymore in the division, but if if they were in the Primera B Nacional, they relegated. But if they were still uh, in the Primera B Nacional, it would be uh, really hilarious because yeah, they would yeah. have to go to Misiones, which is in the north. And then all the way down. And then go to the south. It's really, really tough. Yeah. Um, that's that's it for our second division roundup. Uh, we, yeah. We've needed to do one of those for a couple of, of weeks. It has to be said because we've been ignoring Independiente. We even forgot to mention them after they finally managed to win a match. Yes, William is Independiente's, right? But your your brother. Oh well, he watched a match. Yeah. He's, he's not a, an Independiente fan, but I mean, he's got a Reva shirt because I. Well, I it, 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 so, uh, it comes as a as a supporter, I think. You think? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell him that next time I see him. We will now play a little bit of music and we will read out the ooh, two questions that we have had from readers. Questions are uh, we've only had a couple. They're from let's see. Joel sends everybody hugs from from the south, from Patagonia, uh, not far from where Andres was just talking about. Actually, Puerto Madryn. He's down in Perito Moreno. Yeah. Um, Philip J Briggs says Caruso Lombardi to Sunderland, Paulo Di Canio to Argentinos could be the perfect switch. What do we think of this? Um, I think the Argentine press would be absolutely delighted on both counts. They'd be delighted to have Caruso Lombardi in one of in, in the most watched league in the world because it they give them something else to say. Look at us, we're the best. We're Argentine um, about it, even though he'd be disastrously bad. Um, and they get Di Canio playing, uh, managing in Argentina, who maybe his ridiculous gestures going over to the crowd and doing all that stuff he was doing on Saturday wouldn't look quite so stupid in an Argentine context. I, I see this slightly, slightly better deal for Caruso Lombardi than for Di Canio in that case um, just a little bit yeah. yeah Argentinos wouldn't be able to pay him quite as much as he was getting at Sunderland um, and, and Caruso Lombardi would have a slightly better team it has to be said as well um, yeah I'd, I'd like to see Di Canio trying to manage it given his short temper and his uh, not that Caruso Lombardi is not short tempered of course as well what I'd really like to see is the two of them pairing up maybe for a managerial duo somewhere um, any clubs we can think of that we'd like Di Canio and Carlos Lombardi to be put in joint stewardship of Boca perhaps nice to uh, say. don't know really 
Tom Robinson asks, has Sam got any dating advice, particularly for people with the initials G and J? Uh, this is a joke. It's linked in with the fact that uh, I had a, a spam account uh, about partic- exactly that, that subject. Um, posted a comment on Hasta Gol Siempre a few days ago, and I made a reply to them. You can look it up if you want to. Um, Tom Robinson also asks, this one appears to be a little more serious, um, what does Dan think of Caruso Lombardi's Soy el Mourinho Argentino claim? I am the, the Argentine Mourinho, uh, to which I then, when I pointed out that Dan isn't, none of the Dans are on the podcast this week, um, he says to ignore it, but rather than ignore it, I, I'm going to pose it to Andres. Andres, do you think that Caruso Lombardi is the Argentine Mourinho? I don't know. Uh, he, I think he likes to talk uh, very, very much, and in, in that case... He will be similar to to Mourinho, who likes to. Uh, I know why uh, uh, struggle against uh, constantly against um, Guardiola. Uh, mm-hmm. He they 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 had to face each other for the I don't know, Super Copa uh, when uh, Bayern Munich uh, defeat in penalties uh, on penalties to the, the yes. Chelsea. Yeah. And all, of course, he said that well, if Guardiola is in front of me, I won't be be able to win any match. And that, in that case, they are very similar. But we have to to remember. I know if you have to to look up uh, for information on how many titles titles <laughs> Mourinho won. And one or two more, I think, is enough to say than uh, yes. than Carlos Lombardi is ever going to. But I think he lo- he likes to laugh. Even uh, I think he. Try to laugh on himself. Uh, mm. In that case, he. I, I think some of the stuff that Caruso Lombardi says about himself, uh, most of it is just him being an arrogant idiot, obviously. Um, but I think some of the stuff maybe has a little bit more humour than a lot of the Argentine press are able to read into it. It's perhaps a little bit more self-effacing that one. Um, but also, he very obviously. Didn't he's, he's the kind of, 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 of people that says. Well, if you don't say anything to me, I don't say anything to you. Mm. And that's it. Absolutely, yeah. Finally, Paul Odegaard. Um, as usual, Paul, I, I apologise if I pronounced your name incorrectly. Um, has one last question for us. Why Fernet when there is so much better on offer? It works, but it's like choosing Prato over Messi. Um, the only thing I can say to that, Paul, is that there's no accounting for taste buds. No. It's an acquired taste, but we like it, and, and, and that's why we drink it. And it's Argentine as well. You couldn't really do an Argentine uh, football podcast with rum every week, could you? It wouldn't feel right. It has to do with budget. Vélez uh, has... Uh, they, 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 are, they can afford <laughs> paying Prato, not Messi. In this case, we can afford Farnet, not uh, red wine. Uh, Having said that, we have had donations in the past, and, and we've spent them on Farnet as well. Um, and in fact, we have... Uh, Red wine is probably cheaper than Fernet, in fact, or a bottle of it would be anyway. Um, we like it, Paul, for that reason and no other. The next thing that you're going to hear, dear listeners, is Mystic Sam's theme music, and the next thing after that that you will hear is Mystic Sam's predictions. Here we go. Uh, following on from what we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, I'm not going for a single away win this coming week. Since we haven't had a single away win this last week, I'm picking these the wrong way around, aren't I? I need to pick them before, not afterwards. Um, I'm going for a draw between Arsenal de Sarandí and Godoy Cruz. 
I'm going for an all-boys win at home to Central. Estudiantes vs. Venice will be a draw. Rafaela vs. Olimpo will be a draw. And then I've got a whole load of home wins. They are San Lorenzo to beat Gimnasia La Plata. Tigre to beat Colón. Belgrano to beat Racing, obviously. Newells to beat Argentinos in the big, almost more or less top-of-the-table clash. Boca to beat Quilmes. And, unfortunately, I wish it were otherwise, but Lanús to beat River in the, the Lanata match of the week. Uh, the preview of the Copa Sudamericana could be... Indeed, yeah, it could well be. I, I suspect it will, we'll know by the time it's played, of course, because, uh, well, both sides have got the, the second round legs uh, in the next couple of days. One thing we didn't mention on the pod earlier was that, of course, the, the, the Lanata curse has been broken. Ah. As, as I mentioned to uh, English Dan last week, the um, the, the Lanata matches, i.e. The, the 9.30 or 9.15 Sunday night kickoffs that are designed to, to do over uh, Jorge Lanata, in the ratings, his anti-government propaganda show on, on the other channel, have led so far to, well, prior to last week, have been ten matches, for all for River and Boca, of which there had been, uh, I think it was two draws for River and Boca, and eight defeats, or three draws and seven defeats, or something for them combined. Uh, so River's win over all boys uh, last weekend was the first time that either River or Boca had won whilst playing in that time slot on a Sunday. That's interesting, isn't it? He says with raised eyebrow, not really believing it's interesting at all. Any any fixtures that you're really looking forward to this weekend, Andres? Uh, well, we have uh, talked uh, at the beginning of the poll, uh, of 119 poll, that there were there had been a lot of uh, home uh, victories and mm. uh, very, very few away uh, uh, triumphs, triumphs. So, uh, I think, well... Uh, 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 taking into account uh, that, uh, I, I, I have only to be, uh, uh, to, I, I have only to, to agree with you. So they will clearly be uh, uh, most uh, home victories. From the neutral point of view, I'm particularly looking forward to Newell's Argentinos. As, as we say, a clash of two sides who are near the top of the table. Uh, Newell's are top. And I've just realised I've not actually got the Primera table on any of my tabs, so I'm now going to load it. Newell's are top. Newell's are top, Argentinos are fifth, but they're only three points behind. Two of the early pace setters for the title, and of course, enormous clash of styles as well. I'm looking forward to that. And San Lorenzo Gimnasia should be interesting as well. Two sides who, who really try and, and, and go for an attack. Equally, Estudiantes Velas as well. That, that one should be an interesting tactical battle. I think if Argentinos was a, 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 a bit more aggressive team... Newell's Argentinos will be a very attractive match to, to watch. And the San Lorenzo Gimnasia, I think it will be a much tighter match than we think. Uh, Gimnasia uh, is, uh, with the base of the National B, is, well, in the third position, fourth position, I think, yeah. in the table. And San Lorenzo, Lorenzo Gimnasia, yeah, will be, uh, in this case, will be uh, Newell's Old Boys against Argentinos, the first one against the fifth. Yeah, first against fifth, fifth second against fourth. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal in third have got Godoy Cruz, who are ninth, but are only only four. Uh, sorry, only two points behind Arsenal. In fact, so Godoy Cruz on twelve and Arsenal on fourteen and fourteen. So we've got a whole load of, of matches. In fact, Lanús River as well is. It doesn't sound like much. It, it's it's sixth against eleventh, but that is a side who've got thirteen points against a side with eleven points. So as we've already mentioned. First to sort of 11th or 12th or even 13th, they're only seven points in all of that lot. Um, 
So pretty much everything feels like a top of the table clash this week. Very bizarre. Yeah, the previously the that three matches. I I think I mean Newell's Argentinos, uh, San Lorenzo Gimnasia and, and uh, Lanús River are the matches to watch. Mm. Uh, previously, of course. Yeah. Yes. Whether they'll turn out that way after the weekend is entirely another matter. We'll probably be sitting around this time next week bitching about how how awful they were to watch. On this note. Enjoy, <laughs> right after I've told you that they're going to be crap games. Um, enjoy the coming weekend's football, everybody. Enjoy the Wednesday and Thursday night Copa Sudamericana action. We will be back next week to, to look over it all, as we usually are. And as we promised, we've been rambling for far too long now. So it's goodbye from Andres. Thank you for inviting me to another Hand of Pod edition. And well, goodbye. Thank you. Thank you as ever for coming. It's been a pleasure. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>